EM Guidewire, hard-hitting emergency medicine from Carolina's Medical Center. Welcome back to EM Guidewire's Intern Nuggets podcast. We are once again coming to you from the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studio at Carolina's Emergency Medicine Residency in Charlotte, North Carolina. My name is Dr. Bissell, PGY2. And I'm Fernanda Caliana Serpa, PGY2. Can you believe we're PGY2s? No. It is so much more fun and so much more responsibility, but I'm having a blast. What about you? It's been a lot of fun. I was in the STICU last month, which I know you are there now. How's it going? Love it. Procedures all day. That's so much fun. And now we get to introduce our upcoming interns who will be taking over for our third year of Intern Nuggets podcast. First up, we have Dr. Teresa Fletchinger. Dr. Kendrick Lim. And Dr. Andres Gil Bustamante. Having new interns is so much fun and they bring so much life to our program and you guys will very much enjoy hearing what they have to teach you. So without further ado, take it away. Thanks for the warm introduction. Welcome back to EM Guidewire's Intern Nuggets. I'm Teresa Crow, PGY1. Hi everyone, my name is Andres Gil, PGY1. I'm really looking forward to baking out some intern nuggies with this exceptional group of EM physicians. Ooh, I love me a scrumptious intern nugget. Oh, and I'm one of the other interns. My name's Kendrick Lim. We are all so honored to be carrying on the Intern Nuggets podcast. How's everyone doing? Residency's going great. I really can't complain. I spent last month in the ICU. I have to say it was my first rotation ever in the ICU, but I really liked it. There's a quick care fellowship on the horizon. Spooky. Outside of work, I'm finally getting adjusted to life in Charlotte. There is so much fantastic food, tons of green space everywhere, and coming from Houston, this weather is absolutely amazing. Kendrick, I've told you once, I've told you twice, you're in Charlotte now, not Texas. You may have to tell me that a few more times. I suspect so. <laughs> <laughs> I personally can't imagine living in the Texas heat, so it must feel much cooler now here in comparison. I moved here from Arkansas, so I feel like it's pretty similar here in terms of weather, but I really can't wait to drive out towards Asheville to get in some hikes now that the weather is cooling off. I've really been enjoying running on all of the beautiful greenways here in Charlotte. What about you, Dr. Gill? You know, I'm just excited to be back in Charlotte. My partner and I actually lived in Charlotte prior to leaving for medical school, so coming back home for residency has been great. I'm especially looking forward to the many outdoor breweries that Charlotte has to offer and the myriad of new restaurants in town, which some are just out of this world. Same. There's so many good ones. My restaurant bucket list is really long right now. Well, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we have survived three months of intern year. Putting in my first order on July 1st feels like such a long time ago. Does everyone remember what their first order was? How could I forget? First order ever as a doctor. Although I have to say it was a little bit anticlimactic. I mean, you're just pushing buttons, hitting enter, and something magical happens. My first order, I was in the PZR working with some kiddos, and I ordered the Zofran, the magical Zopogo remedy. Zofran, P-O, and go. Dr. Lim is going to age me for this one, but I was actually able to sign my first prescription as an EM resident. It was for a Bactrim because my computer was broken and it would not let me electronically send it. So I had to do it the old fashioned way. It was for a easy case of pediatric pyelonephritis. It was definitely a good start for intern year. What about you, Dr. Crow? Wow, you signed a prescription? What year is it? The 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. Well, I'll never forget it. It definitely wasn't how I envisioned my first shift going. One of the nurses came running up to me saying that the patient I had just picked up was agitated and trying to attack staff. Verbal de-escalation was not working, unfortunately, and she asked me what I wanted to do. 
I looked around and all of my awesome upper levels and attendings were taking care of really sick people. I was a little in over my head, but thankfully our nurses are awesome. She recognized that and whispered very subtly to me to order I am Draperidol. Fortunately, it worked. Saved the day. Nice. Dr. Crow to the rescue. Yeah, our nurses are fantastic. They're an excellent resource, especially for budding residents. As a matter of fact, during my orientation month in the ED, there were several instances where I would actually run my plan through with the nurse before presenting my, to my attending to make sure that my plan was practical and sound. Now, I don't think I've ever ordered Draperidol, but it does seem like a fun one. I mean, at least it's fun to say. I'm surprised you didn't just hit them with the B-52. Whoa, save that thought about B-52, but I'm glad you asked about Draperidol, Dr. Lim. This brings us to our teaching point for today, the pharmacologic management of agitation. Now, we want to make a statement that this is pretty broad, but it needs to be said that verbal de-escalation is definitely the first choice whenever possible. Ideally, we can collaborate with our patients to help them receive the treatment and help they are seeking. But remember, safety first. Always make sure that you're between the patient and the door so that you don't get trapped in there. Maybe even bring an exit buddy. And speaking of exit buddies, in addition to personal safety, protecting our staff is also a priority. Unfortunately, this is not always possible without chemical restraints, though. Before we begin, we want to make a quick disclaimer. Many institutions have different preferences, but we will discuss what we use for our patients here at CMC. Make sure to look up your facility-specific protocols. So, what medications can we give to the agitated patient? First up, we have our first-generation antipsychotics. These are the classic drugs we often think about, haloperidol and droperidol. Haloperidol was probably the most popular agent of choice for a long time, but since droperidol has returned to the market, it has become much more popular, at least at our institution. Droperidol can be administered IV or IM, which is fantastic. However, we can't mention this drug without having a quick discussion about its 2001 black box warning, the dreaded QT prolongation. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> Droperidol was taken off the U.S. market for a long time, but the rare cases of QT prolongation actually only occurred at super high doses, sometimes up to 600 milligrams. The doses we use in the ED are much lower, usually less than 10 mg. This dosage has been shown to be very safe. We should note that there is not much literature in PEDS about droperidol, so maybe reconsider and look for another agent if the kiddos need some sedation. Very true. Now keep in mind that haloperidol can also increase the QT interval. Its routes of administration include PO, IM, and IV. Other side effects include extrapyramidal reactions such as akesthesia, dystonia, or hypotension, which is why Benadryl is often given as an adjunctive medication. Gotta love the classics. While first-generation atypical antipsychotics are more commonly used, we can also use the second-generation ones like risperidone, olanzapine, and zeprazidone. The advantages of these antipsychotics are that they have a lesser risk of QT prolongation, extrapyramidal effects, and hypotension. However, the downside with these second-generation atypical antipsychotics is their routes of administration. Risperidone can be only given orally, so our patients do have to cooperate with us, which can be quite challenging. Olanzapine, on the other hand, is technically only approved for intramuscular administration, but some institutions like ours will give it IV as well. Ziprazidone can be administered IM or orally. In either case, the intramuscular formulation of both require reconstitution prior to use, which, again, is certainly less than ideal when trying to manage the agitated patient next door. Next up, we have our benzodiazepines, and they aren't just for seizures. Wait, what? That's right, folks. They are super versatile. Midazolam, also known as Versed, and lorazepam, also known as Ativan, are usually the go-to benzos. Versed can act in as little as 1 to 5 minutes when given IV. Otherwise, it takes about 15 minutes when given IM. We also use this in the PEDS department for anxiolysis and agitation. 
and it's fast on, fast off, so you don't have to worry about accidentally sedating your patient for too long. On the other hand, Ativan is not as fast acting as Versed, but equally as effective. In general, when using benzodiazepines, we need to remember that there is a risk of respiratory depression with increasing doses. So, you mean we can't just snore our patients and walk away? Some would say it's frowned upon, but you make a great point. We need to mind our P's and Q's regarding our BP's and HR's whenever we sedate our patients. And finally, we have our trendy friend, ketamine. This can be used in adults or pediatrics, and is actually quite effective. This is extremely rapid acting, and we don't have to worry about that dreaded QT prolongation. However, ketamine is contraindicated in patients with schizophrenia due to risk of worsening psychosis. There are also some rare cases of emergence reactions. It usually does not cause any sort of respiratory depression, but laryngospasm can occur, so do keep that in mind. This is why we want to ensure a slow push whenever possible, usually over one to two minutes. However, if we can't get that slow push in, then we do opt for the intramuscular route. Now that we've talked about all these different agitation medications, we should mention a couple of popular combos. Most of us have probably heard about the B52, the classic combo of 50 mg of Benadryl, 5 of Haldol, and 2 of Ativan. Haldol takes about 30 minutes to begin working, but Benadryl and Ativan kick in much more rapidly. B52 can be very effective, but sometimes it's too effective. It's important to keep in mind that it can take up to four hours to metabolize in some patients. If you're trying to get your patients to wake up and talk to psych or be discharged, this can present a problem. A combination that we often use more at our institution is what our ED pharmacists have lovingly named the 55 Blitz. It consists of 5 milligrams of droperidol and 5 milligrams of midazolam. This is a fast-acting combination that often works in as little as 5 minutes, whereas droperidol alone often takes about 10 minutes. Ooh, I love that. Super fast. Another commonly used combination is 5 milligrams of Versed and 2 milligrams of Ativan. This one is extremely useful because the Versed kicks in quickly, and then the Ativan starts working as the Versed wears off. Awesome. It's a lot of great information. Well, that wraps up our talk on agitation. We have to get back to the intern live, so we'll go ahead and summarize some of our key points. First off, if at all possible, try to calm down your agitated patients with verbal de-escalation techniques. Sometimes offering a classic turkey sandwich, a drink, or even a warm blanket can go a long way. However, chemical restraints might be necessary to protect your patient and your staff. Remember, safety first. Our second point is that there are many options for the pharmacologic management of agitation in both adults and pediatrics. So what you choose does depend on a couple of factors. How quickly do you need it to work? What method of access do you have? And of course, the patient's pre-existing conditions. And last, but definitely not least, ketamine is the comeback kid we've all been waiting for. With its use, it maintains airway reflexes, spontaneous respirations, and offers excellent cardiopulmonary stability. However, Make sure to check with your facility for dosing and protocols, especially if you need to prepare to establish an emergent airway. Well, that is all we've got for you today. Thank you for joining us at the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studio at the Carolinas Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Please check out our other podcasts and imaging series. We'll be back for some more intern nuggets soon. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go! Be awesome today! Seems he out. Woo! That was good. <laughs> yeah. That was great. <laughs> Have you not seen it? No. It's a silly goose university. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>